White Chicks in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Welcome back to the show. Hi everyone! Welcome back to another episode of the Two White Chicks in China podcast. This is episode one hundred and thirty-six. Thanks for listening again. Yes, and thank you to everyone who has left us a review on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher, and also on our Facebook page. We appreciate hearing from you guys,、um, and it also helps other people find us and listen to the podcast. Sorry if we sound like broken records, but <laughs> we really, really appreciate those reviews. And personally, it just kind of Peps us up, yeah, it's awesome. We read all of them, so thank you to every one of you who have done that, and for all your comments and support as well、mm-hmm. on our Facebook page and on Patreon, of course, too. Yeah, we've had some new patrons,、uh, including Marsha. <laughs> thank you,、uh, Haley, and also Sondo, who raised his pledge、um, after we answered his question. So thank you so much. Actually, you just mentioned about comments, so I'm so- sorry、um, if we've missed anyone's comments、uh, in the last few weeks. With our、uh, move away from written Chinese, we might have missed a couple, but、uh, we've just picked up on those ones. So actually, I want to read you a comment that came from、uh, China Bob. So、um, for those of you who've listened to the podcast, you've probably heard us mention Bob. He often leaves us comments because he's lived in China for ever.、Mm-hmm. And so he's commenting on our、uh, episode on homes, which was episode one hundred and thirty-two, and he says, "I hope you don't mind my adding comments here. Usually, I find you guys are spot on with your commentary, but this week I just need to open my trap and add something because my <laughs> experiences are different. Not in a bad thing, just a different experience."、Um, There's always a variety of styles of Chinese home when it comes to upkeep, style, furnishing, style, etc. Just like anywhere else. In my home, for instance, when I was growing up on Long Island in New York, if you were to walk into anyone's house in my neighborhood, you would、uh, most likely be greeted by a pristine living room and dining room kept immaculate, as it was your space to receive guests. So, actually, when I read this comment from Bob, it reminded me of a home I had visited in、um, Manchester in Massachusetts. Um, we were visiting some friends, and、um, their home was like almost like a doll's house. Like you went in, and it was perfect, like immaculate. Granted, they didn't have kids, so they got they could get away with it. But it was like I'd never seen a house like that because、um, where, where my like home was not like that at all. Now that you're saying that though, and hearing his comment,、mm-hmm. it does remind me as children. A lot of times, we were not allowed in the dining room. Not so much the living room, but Generally speaking, the dining room was off limits to the kids because it was the place where、yeah. people would, you know, they drink coffee together, have meals together,、right. and it was usually where the china was kept, right? And、uh, like special plates and this and that. And so now I'm having these recollections、mm. of these very pristine、yeah. dining rooms growing up、right. as well. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. And and actually, furthermore, this reminded me of my own my grandma's house, and she would have. I think this is quite like a a northern thing to have like a a room for best <laughs> like it's the Sunday room where for so for the whole week no one goes in that room、um, only on a Sunday or on like Christmas like、mm. Christmas or Easter you would go in the the living room like the. More formal room where there was no TV and stuff. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't actually eat in our dining room. Oh right. <laughs> Usually we would eat in the kitchen.、Mm. So we we would have a we had a table in the kitchen and 
we were not allowed to eat in the dining room actually, <laughs> except on special occasions. So yeah, you're right. There is, it is. It, there's a little formality there, mm. isn't there? Uh, so Bob continues and he says, uh, some of the living rooms of my neighbors uh, even had uh, custom-made clear vinyl covers covering each and every cushion of the sofa. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. He says, down south, the traditional style wooden furnishings still are most common, but come farther north and you'll see a more, uh, sorry, a more variety of styles. If you go into one of the many house decorating centres with all the different construction decoration shops selling everything for a new homeowner from sinks to curtains to beds and kitchen tables, you can kind of get a feel for what the most popular styles are for most of China when it comes to furnishing their homes. This is true that you do get a, gen- like a general sense of uh, what people seem to go for. He says, personally, I find most of the choices garish and gaudy <laughs> in the extreme. It seems if you have money to furnish a house or apartment in China, <laughs> then the most popular style is what I'd call <laughs> Louis Fourteenth on LSD, which I think <laughs> is great. <laughs> Uh, I think oh, it's, that's uh, it's very accurate. I feel yeah. like um, they love those like really super ornate curtains, like curtains, we talked about yeah. in the episode, and just these uh, massive wooden furniture, like very yeah. expensive. Yeah. And I, when I was reading back Bob's uh, comment, actually, it reminded me of when I sometimes first move into a, a new apartment. Things like the fridge have had like this lacy like cover on the top as like a, like a tea cozy, but for the fridge. <laughs> have you come across those? No. I, I've I've been in a couple of apartments that have had them. Like I don't know what it's for. Whether it's just to, like so you can put stuff on top of your fridge, so it like creates a divide between the fridge and like the space on top. But I've come across a couple like that that hmm. have. This strip, like a tablecloth, but super chintzy. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so this comment is really long, so I'm not going to read all of it. Um, but it's very, re- it's it's really interesting. So I advise any of you to go to uh, episode one three two to read the whole comment. But I just want to read some some other snippets. So he also mentions about dishwashers, um, how dishwashers are becoming more common. I've still never seen one, but me neither. Um, he said the one we have is a, a neat little thing. Just enough for one meal, Lord. Um, it takes up very little space and is the other half of a double sink. Uh, even has a veggie fruit washer, which is pretty good. Oh! As China's middle class grows, they're they are adopting more and more kitchen uh, and other conveniences. They are getting uh, bigger places to live, and with uh, with them, things like garbage disposals and clothes dryers are becoming more common. There are lots of single machine washer dryers available now or stackable units, which I've seen, those stackable things. Mm -hmm. And apparently AC units with heat have been around for a long time. Um, Maybe because he's in the north of China. Yeah. Um, Oh, actually, he said we had them in our apartment in Macau (laughs) (laughs) when we first moved there in 98. Uh, So not not such a new thing. Before when... Most buildings were owned by the government. They were they just drew a line on the map and said anything right. south yeah. of this gets heat, and anything mm-hmm. north or anything south of this will not have heat, and anything north of this gets heat. But the northern part of the southern section of the country still gets quite cold. Mm. So people would just like when I was teaching in Chengdu. The winter there was actually pretty brutal. Right. The temperature didn't go super low, but because it was so humid, 
the cold got into your bones and nothing was insulated. And so the kids would just be crunched over their desks. I mean, they would keep the windows open for feng shui. And so the windows were open. There's cold, wet air coming in. And the kids would just be huddled in their desk wearing winter hats and gloves. They still had to wear their uniforms and holding those pouches. Like, this is a really common thing here. Those, it's like a pouch filled with a jelly gel liquid and you plug it into the wall and after 30 seconds it becomes really hot it's like a hot water it's like a reheating hot water bottle thing unless it explodes yeah they're notorious they're for really exploding. dangerous <laughs> they are. just use hot, hot water bottle <laughs> but they're so fast to charge yeah. though yeah i had one and then but i never i was a bit nervous to use it. mine definitely after using it for two years it started puffing like when I would heat it up. It started puffing real tight, so and then it and then it was exploding. So yeah, they're they're, they're <laughs> not the safest thing, especially if you forget, because it doesn't have like automatic switch off, and it only takes like thirty seconds to a minute to heat, which is like oh, for wow. me slightly too long to sit in front of it and watch it. Like I would plug it in <laughs> and then like walk away and go do something, and then forget about it, and then I would see that it was about to explode. Um, But these kids, like I remember I was wearing my winter coat, a sweater underneath Mm. my winter coat, and a hat and gloves while trying to teach the class. So Mm. it was was pretty brutal. But I'm I'm surprised that so many... I hadn't seen any uh, heating and cooling air conditioning units until recently. It doesn't seem to be standard. Maybe it's just a price issue. Maybe they're just more expensive, so fewer places install them Mm. as a standard thing. Maybe. Okay, so let's move on to our fact of the week. Nora, do you have a fact? I do, but I just want to make one more comment uh, regarding China Bob before we move Mm. on. We use um, discuss comments for our website, and it's a pretty cool little thing. So if you're interested, for example, in seeing other comments that China Bob has done mm-hmm. because he has some really great insights and he writes almost like articles. Yeah, this is an article. Yeah, in our comments <laughs> That's why section. everyone just cuts certain things out. <laughs> yeah, and they're so insightful and interesting. And so what you can do is if you log in to discuss, and I think you don't even need to create a separate account. I think you can just use your Facebook yeah. or Twitter or something. So if you log in, you can actually go in to discuss and follow people. So you can get a notification whenever he specifically makes a comment Mm. on posts or like other people that you see making insightful comments on posts. You can actually follow those individuals specifically so you don't have to like go back through every page of our show notes to find some of the comments that he's done. Because I do recommend if you're interested in life in China to read through his thoughts because he's really a China veteran. We've learned a lot from him and there are other people there who have made comments that are really insightful too that I think would be worth following so I just wanted to let you know mm. that that option is out there it's he pretty even, cool he even has his own article on written Chinese actually that he wrote for us a long long time ago um, so you should check that out as well it's his love story right um, kind of like basically his life so far about his yeah his yeah getting married and having his son and that kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah. very interesting guy thank you bob if you're listening yeah, you. we always appreciate your comments and insights so on to the fact so this is um something that's come in recently in the news that has shaken up the world coming from china um so i got this from that's guangzhou that's magazines are popular here in south in the south so they have that's prd which is 
Pearl River Delta is what that stands for. It includes Shenzhen and Guangzhou and Hong Kong. This whole region here, this like megalopolis, I can't remember what they're calling it. <laughs> it's like a special really? name for this because it's like all these areas growing together. Um, so yeah, let me just uh, give you the headline here. Global outcry as China creates for world's first gene-edited babies. Oh, I just read about that. Yes, so this is a big deal. So this is the first time, supposedly, again, it's kind of, it sounds like they made the announcement and then they realized the backlash and now mm-hmm. they're trying to, like, cover up that they've done, like, what, what exactly yeah. that they've done because they don't want any recourse I feel um, like this is reminiscent of the doctor who thought that he could do a head transplant. Do you remember that? Yeah, and he d- he did. He did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. We never got. I never got a follow up on that. I don't know what happened. Yeah. I again. I don't understand the situation do you, where. Do you remember that there was some a guy who had volunteered for it, but I don't know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I don't understand the situation where this would be, like necessary, where you would need a head. I don't get it. Like where you have a healthy body and a healthy head, but that they're on two different people. <laughs> I mean, they have to like die at the, the person right. has to like die at the right moment, right? I don't, yeah. Anyway, the, yeah, it's super creepy. Well, anyway, going going we on that story, just in. <laughs> clearly. Um, so it says Shenzhen-based scientist He Jianghui made a bombshell announcement on November twenty-six claiming that he and his research team had successfully created the world's first gene-edited babies. Mm. The declaration, as you could probably guess, has sparked outrage amongst the global science community. So people are obviously really concerned about the ethics behind this to tamper with the genes of unborn children. Um, And they're also worried about the safety of humankind. Because as like Stephen Hawking, I think, was warning everybody that you, once you start gene manipulating, you're going to create this race of superhumans that's going to kill off the us normal uh, humans. So <clears throat> going forward, so named Lulu and Nana, the female twins were genetically modified before birth using some kind of, I don't even need to read, just some kind of genome editing tool to make them resistant to the HIV virus. So their father was HIV positive, and now their genes have been edited in order to prevent them from carrying the, the disease. It sounds like someone just like opened up Photoshop and just fiddled about, and that was it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think, wow. in general, this is really fascinating because in China, you don't have the same ethical red tape as you have in other parts of the world. And so I think it's really interesting to see, it will be really interesting to see where science goes here because they don't have as much of a dilemma with like stem cell research and mm-hmm. these these kind of things. It's They, they don't seem that bothered about it. So it seems more that the, the global community was upset about the ethics behind this rather than China itself. So... I am cur- I have to say I am curious to know where science goes without boundaries. Mm. I'm interested how they became how the um, family became like volunteers for this. I don't know. It doesn't say doesn't specifically say. about this. We'll link to the article on the website in the show notes so you can read more about it. But it was definitely a a, a big deal in the news this this past week. Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear any follow-up to this because this is really new right like within a few days Mm -hmm. it says so far there's been no evidence to confirm whether the babies have indeed been born so i guess now they're trying to like so they put out the announcement that these 
babies have been born and that they're genetically modified and then they get this backlash from the global community and then all of a sudden facts start getting swept under the rug and the research center where was working they're like we had no idea this was going on and i'm sure that if the global community had responded positively they'd been like we were 100 percent supportive of his research so you know it's just kind of Things are getting scrambled now, and he uh, refuses to make a statement, and so now things are getting murkier. But it's really interesting, and I'm I'm sure it's not uh, beyond the realm of possibility, just because of how open the scientific community is here in China. Uh, Well, my news article is also about uh, the future of things in China. Um, So this is about the first driverless taxis that have been tested in Guangzhou. Um, Actually, they've been trying them for for the last last month in a quiet part of the city. And so this is um, being provided by a local self-driving startup called WeRide.ai. And um, they've got three vehicles which are equipped with laser radar for sensing road objects and other vehicles. Um, and they've got cameras to sense traffic lights. So they're obviously quite cautious about running uh, this trial. Um, and they've only been going for like two hours a day when traffic is really quiet. And at the moment, they have there's a, a supervisor in the car. So not driving, but just like checking to make sure everything's fine. Uh, just in case anything should go wrong. <laughs> um, you might remember, I think uh, we mentioned this last year, but uh, Shenzhen were also trying to start uh, driverless buses, uh. but they dropped it because it just, I guess they thought it didn't, it wasn't going to work. Uh, but let's see, let's see if this goes. And they're actually planning to roll out a fleet of driverless taxis in uh, Changsha as well, which is in Hunan. I heard that because they've just been redoing our road, and I've heard from some of people here in China and Shenzhen that um, those roads will be especially equipped for driverless um, cars, and they also okay. are the first roads in Shenzhen to have Wi-Fi. Hmm. So I guess they're planning cool. on having the whole city eventually be on some kind of like a Wi-Fi grid on the road system, right. which is craziness. And then something to do with these driverless cars, too. Because our road was actually perfectly fine. Yeah. So we were also wondering, like, why are what they, they repaving this road? But I guess they, it's part of this whole project. Okay, then uh, let's listen to our question this week. It comes from Taylor in North Carolina. And she's left us a voicemail message. Uh, if you also have a question for us, you can go to writtenchinese.com slash voicemail. Um, so let's listen to Taylor's question. Hey, Holly and Nora. This is Taylor from North Carolina. Love your podcast. Thank you guys for keeping with it. I know it's a lot of work. So I kind of have a two-part question for you. Um, I want to know about work-life balance in China and your experience with the average work week. Here in the States, we put a lot of kind of focus around the work-life balance, but also we also tend to work a lot of hours. In North Carolina, I think we're a little bit under average compared to like New York or Los Angeles. But I've always been curious about working in China and what the hours are really like. So tell me what you guys think. Thanks. Thanks, Taylor. This is a great question. And thanks for sending us in a voicemail. It's always nice to hear people's voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So where, do, where should we start with this? I actually was very curious to know about average work weeks in the UK. 
and the US and in China. I found some kind of average work weeks. So in China, the average work week is 50 hours. In the UK, they reckon it's about 42, um, which is actually the highest or the longest work week uh, in Europe. Like we work the mo- most amount of hours, which is probably a surprise, I think. <laughs> um, in the US, it's it's 34.5, but obviously it varies massively because it's such a huge country. But they reckon that um, uh, people aged 25 to 54 work the most. That's like 40.3 hours. And also married men and women work a lot more than non-married people, which makes sense. China are way higher than either of our countries. Mm-hmm. 50. 50 hours, it's impressive. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, no. in general, when I first got to China nine years ago, the standard was to work six days a week. And I think that in most of mm-hmm. China, it still remains to be the standard. So that was just the norm. Free time in China is this strange luxury that people just are not accustomed to Mm -hmm. and they don't feel entitled to it to have two days off in shenzhen is quite common but i think in a lot of areas of the country that is not the norm still and even for example when i was working at the school the teachers were all working six days a week the kids were not at the school on saturdays but they had to use that time for meetings Mm -hmm. and prep and all the stuff and that was a norm. So probably these 50 hours are spread across six days. Okay, so I think in the past we've probably referred to this uh, idea of 996, which is working from 9 in the morning to 9 at night for six days a week. But actually, I, I looked online for some to see if there were any articles about this, and I found a, a, re- a very recent article that was on the BBC saying how lots of young people, young Chinese people, are actually really sick of this, of these long working hours, especially like millennium millennials, <laughs> the the idea of having to work twelve hours six days a week, like with unpaid overtime, is just something that's bringing people down. I think, and for low salaries as well, people are beginning to realize that this just isn't working for them. There was a in this article, there was a an example of a guy, uh, Li Jiapeng, which he was a he's a twenty five year old who had gone to Shanghai thinking, oh, like, he'd have a great time as well as working a job. But basically, he's with all the hours he works in the office, he has absolutely no time for any, for his hobbies or any free time at all. Yeah, and you got to understand, too, in a city like Shenzhen, if you're working for lower wages, you cannot afford to live in the city center. So a lot of people travel an hour to get to and from work too. So that really, if you have 12 hours in the office and then an hour commute on either end of your work hours, that adds up to being your entire day basically. Then you just have like an hour at night to eat, chill and sleep. (laughs) Yeah. So it's pretty brutal. They say that this 996 encompasses the Chinese entrepreneurial spirit Mm. and that this is a positive thing for growth. Um, But I know quite a few studies that have been done that say beyond 35 hours a week, people are just not as productive as Mm. before. More mistakes are made and um, there are actually more problems that are caused when people are in the office for longer. So I think sometimes the spirit behind it is what's driving the long work hours, not necessarily what exactly is getting done. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this develops over time because like Holly said, people are starting to be like, this is not acceptable for mm-hmm. us. We have no work-life balance. Yeah. 
um, and people see how the rest of the world operates business and realize it. Because I think before, a lot of people were closed off from the rest of the world. A lot of people didn't have a chance to travel abroad. Um, they didn't have a lot of foreign friends. And I think more exposure to the West kind of makes you realize, oh, this is actually not normal for most people around the planet to be working this much. Because before, you know, the spirit of hard work is so ingrained in Chinese culture. And so it was very, I think, easy for companies to convince Chinese people that this is this is the right way to work. This is the right attitude to have towards work. But then they step outside of work and they go on trips and holidays. They realize the rest of the world, people are not living like this. They're kind of like, wait a minute, what's going yeah. on here? We want our free time too. Mm-hmm. So free time now, I think, is becoming of more value here. And it's definitely going to shift, I think, the way that business is run over over the long term. Yeah. And the, one of the problems with this is that because young people are now reluctant to work overtime for free, um, they're being accused of being self-centered uh-huh. you know, because they're not, you know, they're not focused on working hard and therefore providing for your family. And unfortunately, because... Even though these young people are working extremely hard, they're still only receiving a sm- like a small low salary. The guy in this article was only receiving three and a half thousand yuan a month, um, having to share an apartment with several other flatmates. Also, being a lot of these um, young people are still being supported by their parents, uh, so it makes it makes things more difficult for them to buy uh, property and and therefore have a family I guess right it's not realistic to be able to buy there's no way the average Chinese person mm-hmm. in Shenzhen at least for sure and I'm sure in any of the major cities in China to be working for an average salary and to be able to purchase a flat using that salary you have to pool the whole family's money together in order to buy property because the property expenses here crazy high and so it just doesn't balance it doesn't add up people complain in the u.s about how you can't live on minimum wage (laughs) but it is way worse in china trust me like people living in dorms stacked eight on top of each other you know this is a very common thing especially in uh cities like shenzhen beijing where you can't afford even to have your own apartment or even to have one roommate. You need to live in this Mm -hmm. dorm room in a bunk bed with basically no personal space. That's very normal for a lot of jobs here. It's common jobs like uh, being a waiter, being a cook in a restaurant. These like everyday jobs, a lot of people have to live in close quarters because you just can't afford it. You Mm. just can't. And also, for those people who work long hours, and you said at the beginning, like, most people have to commute an hour or so in the morning and in the evening, often people will live in dorms next to their office or factory or or sleep in the office, in fact, and then only go home to their families. And sometimes they'll have children that will stay in their home, which is maybe on the outskirts of the city, um, on a weekend. Mm -hmm. So... Monday or even Friday. they'll be in their their hometown. The children will right. be in even a different that, province sometimes right. too. Some of our workers in the software company, they chose to send their kids. So basically, after the maternity leave, so after six months, they send their kids to their hometown where grandma and grandpa can help look after them. Mm-hmm. And so they're away from their children from a very early age. So it's uh, for a long period of time. Yes, for a long for for. 
yeah, I don't know when they come. I guess they come back. Maybe they can come back to Shenzhen if the parents get a good enough raise mm-hmm. that they can afford sending them to school here. Or maybe the parents at some point they decide, okay, enough is enough. I'm moving back to my hometown, and now yeah. I've made enough money to buy some property in my hometown. So that just like the dynamic of the families is really. Um, shifted because of these working conditions and I think the whole idea of private time and your own family time is just not as separate from work as it is in the west for example uh, in the states you can't force somebody to work on Sunday because people will say oh I have religious you know holiday Mm -hmm. you know I, I can't I have to I have to be at church or you know they have things that they need to do on Sunday that are priorities and you can't force them to work that day. But in China, forget about it. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is. They Like a lot of times around the holiday schedule, they'll say, okay, we're going to have a three-day holiday, but for the next two weeks, you're going to work six days in a row. So like they add up the, basically you have one day that's actually off and the other two days you make it up by working on a Saturday, the two weeks leading up to the holiday. This is a very common thing that they do. And they don't care if you have things that you like to do on Saturday or Sunday. That's just how it, how they do it and nobody there complain about that. <laughs> mm. Yeah, on those kind of like th- places aren't closed on on Sundays, uh, in the UK, most like say malls will only work from nine till five. Here, the mall opens at ten in the morning and closes at ten at night. Now, I don't know if people work in shifts, but I get the impression that there are just whoever is in that store. They might get a lunch break, but they're probably in from ten till ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same goes for places like hairdressers and spas um, that work till okay they start later but they work till like 10 11 sometimes 12 at night um and then, oh yeah they definitely don't have two sets of workers they've just yeah, got one yeah. one like whenever i walk past a salon by the grocery store i always see the, you always same, see the same people that's it yeah that's what i'm thinking yeah i actually had a conversation with uh my husband the other night about gyms and why like gyms only open at 10 o'clock why don't like there's i feel like there's so many people who might want to go to the gym before work. But then he said, well, but then they would have to employ two sets of workers, you know, a, a mo- someone to work from six till whatever time and then someone else to do the evening shift. Um, and I guess most companies don't wanna, just don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Plus going to the gym in the morning is not as common here. I guess so, but why? Maybe they would. Maybe they would. If anyway, that's something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people do exercise here in the morning, but they like go to the park and do tai chi before work, or mm. go for a long walk, or do these screaming exercises. Yeah, I am seeing runners on a morning now. Yeah, yeah, especially in my, like when I take the dog, I'm seeing people. That's a new <laughs> new wave of uh, Chinese people yeah. coming through, I guess. because <laughs> yeah. that did not exist nine years no. ago here. Uh, but it seems like also on an evening, it's also popular, like after people eat fairly early here. So by the time I'm out with a dog, it's like nine o'clock. I guess you've had 
quite a few hours to uh, digest you, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This has been really eye-opening for me in particular as I've been looking for work. So since we, we're moving away from working on writtenchinese.com full-time, though we're still, do- we're still doing stuff, keep your eye on the site. But um, I've been looking for another full-time position and it's been really insightful just to see because when we were working at the software company, it was a Hong Kong-based company, and it was run very Western. So we didn't have such crazy hours. They were long hours, but um, we had a little more flexibility in our time, and uh, we didn't work six days a week. But <clears throat> as I've been looking for new jobs and interviewing at different places, like. <laughs> I know Foxconn has a bad name around the world, and I'm beginning to understand it. Because initially I was like, ah, oh, maybe it's all just hype. You know, they make a big deal of all this stuff going on at Foxconn. But I went and interviewed there, and it was, I mean, it, I interviewed on a Saturday. All the desks were full, <laughs> and everybody just looked super disgruntled and exhausted. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. And they, so the job, they were like, (laughs) expect me to work 12 hours, six days a week, exactly this 996. Mm. And they expected me to live in the dorm across from the office in like Longhua or whatever it was. That would have been lovely. Would have been delightful, I'm sure. (laughs) So yeah, so it was just like, wow, um, okay, this is for real. So, and, and this isn't the, the only, like, uh, another job they looked at, too. So they said, uh, okay, it's five days a week, but you have to give up one Saturday a month to come in and do it. And I was like, am I getting paid for this extra Saturday, or is this, like, a freebie? <laughs> yeah, as an extra vacation date? No, no, everybody just come. I'm like, <laughs> next please no (laughs) but this is a reality and Chinese people they don't have a choice but to accept this most people so they just they do it and they don't complain about this stuff because you start complaining and they'll just replace you so it's 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 pretty brutal I have to say yeah and I've heard um, I won't mention companies in fact I think from you maybe that um, often overtime and extra days of work are added just for the like almost just for the sake of it almost just to make it appear that everyone's working very hard and we ought to stay longer because that will I don't know somehow improve morale or something like give the impression that we're doing a very good job Mm -hmm. yeah we heard from a friend of ours who's working for a prominent mobile phone company she started the job and she was finished with her work she had just started the job she had finished what they asked her to do and then they scolded her for leaving on time they were like why are you leaving now she's like i'm done i'm done with my work no 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 you need to do overtime she's like what do you want me to do like no it doesn't matter just stay at your desk so just just right. to like prove that you know you're you're hard working and like this to me okay I, I understand sometimes especially with startup companies that long hours are necessary and that employees should sometimes be willing but to, to put in but to do something yes to do something not to just twiddle your thumbs I can just imagine like a manager just handing out dot to dots to like the staff who finished their like actual work and just here's some colored pencils like draw some pretty pictures and like (laughs) well she said people were like sleeping there and they had like you know sleeping bags and blow-up mattresses and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and that actually the workload 
didn't necessarily require them to do that, but they were trying to prove their loyalty and their commitment to the job. So it's pretty intense. Yeah, well, as you say, like it's hard waxing. It's encouraged, but it's also yeah. Most people don't really complain about it, and mm-hmm. you see often with like Sif small smaller family businesses. For example, there's a small like hole in the wall little restaurant just around the corner from my um, apartment. And those, it's a it's a family business, and you see the um, usually the gents are there on a the morning, and then there's two ladies, and they they shut up that restaurant at like ten o'clock, but no one's ever complaining. They're so nice, and we go like even when they're kind, you can tell they're kind of getting ready to close, and they'll still serve us. Mm-hmm. So they're obviously working really long hours, but no. It's cool. Yeah, you're right. A lot of those shops are owned by a single family. Or we talked about the taxis in previous episodes where... Mm-hmm. So basically, it seems like a lot of these taxi companies, the taxi drivers actually own the car. Or they rent. So they, right. they rent the car from the company. And they share the car with one other person. So they switch back and forth. So one does a 12-hour shift and then the other does a 12-hour shift. And they just try to keep that car driving 24 hours a day so that they can make as much money as possible to pay back the lease on the car and then to actually make money for their family. So it's 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 insane. Um, one other thing that I'd written down in my notes was the work-life balance for children as well and schools. Oh, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, you've got your normal school hours, which I, I just, I estimated like between eight and five, but it depends on age and stuff. And then of course, most children, once they're over the age of six, they have additional classes in the evening and on a weekend. And they very rarely have any, like, let's say, free time to do any playing. Mm-hmm. It's mostly to do with some subject like maths or chess or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. We personally know a, a girl who has a four-hour math class on Saturdays. And that's sandwiched oh yeah, <laughs> between her other classes. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really unbelievable. You can't you hear, you know, got the Tiger Mom book that came out several years back. And people talk about mm-hmm. how aggressive Chinese parents can be. But it's... You can't believe it until you actually see it. How It's not every family, but it is the norm that they just try to get them involved in as many scholastic activities as possible right. to try to maximize their learning in order to survive in this competitive environment. So it's really intense. Yeah, and really it's, it's almost like pragmatic because find, at the end of the day they're going to have to take the Gaokao, they need a high score to get into a good university. If they've got a degree from a good university, they'll get a better job, therefore for a better salary. And I guess in the long run, they hopefully will not have to deal with as much of this as the young people are dealing with now in the future. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, though, that I've read this article on uh, China Daily, and check out the headline here, four-day work week by 2030 called for in China. So according to this article, Chinese will be working nine hours a day and four days a week by 2030. So it's from a report from the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. It sounds like starting in 2025, a four-day work week will be implemented in certain industries in the central and eastern region. So they're going to start experimenting with this in 2025, which is not far off. Mm. So excluding work and sleep, the average daily leisure time of Chinese in 2017 was 2.27 hours compared with 
2.55 hours three years ago. <laughs> so actually their free time is getting even less. Residents of Shenzhen, Guangzhou, Shanghai, and Beijing have less spare time each day. 1.94, and 2.25 hours respectively, lower than average. So listen to that. That's nuts. By contrast, the average leisure time in countries such as the U.S., Germany, and the U.K. is about five hours a day, almost twice as much as in China, according to the report. So, yeah, so, so I think that they realize that people are not going to be, I mean, they're just going to lose all their talent mm-hmm. if this continues. Plus, how many jobs are they going to need? I mean, I feel like we're, we're seeing a graying population now in China, and actually that's going to be a really big problem. So if they continue at this speed, what's there going to be left for the workers to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, so so it's really insane, and I think that they're they're realizing that this will need to make a shift. So I I'll be curious to see what happens because I feel yeah. like unless there's some kind of state ordered rule that's highly monitored, that companies will be very reluctant to allow their workers to work four days a week. But we'll see. This is apparently in the in the works. So I was also thinking about the work life balance of foreigners. Obviously, my own experiences here in Shenzhen. But I feel like uh, in the past, and this still exists to a degree, but uh, I always got the impression that most people were working, and there were lots of people working very hard here, um, even on weekends, but that once they were done with work, you'll find, you would find a lot of foreigners in the pub. (laughs) (laughs) That's like, that's the life right there. Um, But now I feel like, there are a lot more people out there getting involved in like in different kinds of activities and events so they're actually making the most of their free time uh, and doing th- the kinds of things that they would probably do in their own countries um, lots of people are in- into like wellness they go to the gym yoga that kind of thing um, and actually starting their own projects here mm-hmm. uh, which I mean maybe it was because I wasn't as aware of that or whether it just didn't exist in the past, but it, I feel like it's, I can, I'm seeing a lot more of it now. I feel like there are a lot more resources today that weren't around when I first mm-hmm. came online for helping connect you with yeah. other expats who were doing things outside of teaching. So I think a lot of people started here, if they started from zero, started with teaching, just because, again, even today in Shenzhen, we were talking about this too, when I've been going around and interviewing and asking about salary and stuff, the salary, and I'm like a qualified candidate, you know, I've been working in a tech company for almost eight years, I have a lot of experience building mobile apps, and, you know, I have a lot of um, skills that are sought after today, and still, the amount of money that I can make, the base salary, is just basically on par with the teaching here for somebody who's just come right off the boat, like who is a native speaker, maybe no uh, previous teaching experience, but if they want to try being a teacher, boom, there you go. It's pretty easy to land uh, 18000 renminbi job right off the bat. And that's really eye-opening to see how teachers are just able to rake it in here compared to the rest of workers. We were talking about a few of our friends who are architects who were quite 
talented architects and working really, really hard, well-educated, good at their jobs, experienced. And again, they're making around the same as a teacher would make here in China. So I don't think you see that in other parts of the world. A foreign teacher, you got to mm. specify, foreign teacher. Chinese teachers do not make nearly as much. But the foreign no. teachers um, tend to rake it in compared to other industries. All right, so we'll see how this all develops as it goes along. We will keep you informed with any updates. As I start this new job, too, I'd also be interested in sharing some of my experiences because I actually haven't worked for a proper Chinese company before. So this will be interesting to see what the differences are between working at a Hong Kong-based company and working at a Chinese company. We'll see how that goes. I'll keep you informed. So I'm going to leave you now with the Chinese word of the day. So that is the word 兼顾. 兼顾. So 兼顾, it means to attend simultaneously to two or more things. And also it's used um, when you're talking about career and family life or family and education, etc. Balancing, so basically balancing two things. 兼 means double or twice. And gu means to attend to. So zhao gu, you might, you might have heard the word zhao gu means to care for. So those two characters combined means to balance two or more things at the same time. So that's a word you might use for work-life balance. Great. So I will link to the dictionary in our show notes. Again, that's at writtenchinese.com slash episode 136. And we will also include uh, links to any articles and things that we've mentioned in the show. If you are learning Chinese, we want some feedback from you. Please let us know where you are in your Chinese learning journey. Holly and I are thinking of creating a course called Two Eye Chicks Teach Chinese. <laughs> so if you're interested in that, we are just at the beginning phases and we'd love any feedback that you could give us. Drop us a note on our Facebook page or send us an email to support at writtenchinese.com. Let us know what kind of tools would be useful for you and where you are in your Chinese learning journey. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on Facebook at uh, The Two White Chicks. The two is uh, spelled T-W-O. Um, and again, if you want uh, to ask us a question, you can go to writtenchinese.com slash voicemail. Yeah, leave us a question. <laughs> Tune in next week. Bye. Bye.